Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. A couple of days ago, I came across an opinion piece at the Charlotte Observer. It's written by uh, an opinion writer up in Raleigh, I believe, uh, by the name of Paige Mastin. And it was about this 1776 Gastonia development. It's a 55-plus community. Uh, and I I kind of had a bit of fun and raised some questions and responded to some of her questions that she raised in this piece. But um, I want to welcome to the program now Brock Fankhauser. He is the founder and CEO of this 1776 Gastonia project. Welcome, Brock. How are you? Great, Pete. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So um, the writer here is not aware or is not clear what exactly you mean by a development that is branding itself as an America first community for freedom loving patriots. So maybe you could explain that to her. Yeah, I think she misspoke a little bit on the America first part, although uh, part of it is right. It's an American community, and our goal, it's a trademark brand that we've established that the mission is to blend American patriotism, the American dream of home ownership, and to blend in the founding ideals of our country, that being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so this is... is that. Right, so the company is Great American Homes, right? And that's, a, and that's a, what, an offshoot of a different developer? Yeah, it's, a, it's within the umbrella of our New Style Communities brand. Gotcha. Are these build-to-suit homes? Do people get to make decisions on, you know, f- uh, fixtures and stuff like that? Or is it, uh, is, is it just like we, we're building what we, what we can get our hands on material-wise? Hey, man, in pursuit of freedom, it's build-to-suit from scratch. Okay, so not a, so not a completely uh, custom development, right? You've got floor plans available and people can make choices along the way. Exactly. We call it semi-custom. Gotcha. Um, All right. So there was another thing that she uh, wrote about where there's some sort of a pledge to support the United States of America and a requirement to fly the American flag on the front porch. I'm assuming these are like HOA rules or something. Correct. We have a preamble to our declaration. So just like the United States has a declaration, 1776 has a declaration and it's its promises, its covenant that each individual homeowner makes to one another. It's not overly complicated, but it's serious. And we want people in the community to understand that you have a commitment to America. And overtly, of course, you'll see by display of the American flag on every home. It's a requirement at all times. And I'm assuming somebody asked me this in an email when we were talking about it. I'm assuming that the, the flags are lit. They're going to be lit at, for at night purposes. Yeah, they will be flown according to proper protocol. Yes, oh. sir. Um, she also raises this question. She says it may be the most important question. Why is a development like this necessary in the first place? Care to take a shot at that? It's necessary because the market needs it. I'm a, a free market capitalist. I have the ability to continue building non-1776 neighborhoods, but the market has told us, Pete, in our early on marketing and campaigning that they are yearning for something like this. So we, the way we see it, are satisfying market conditions that are 
roaring out there, and they're not met by anybody. Right. So, um, so how much of it is simply marketing, right? And how much of it is mission? The mission comes first. Uh, I've been thinking about this for a very long time. The marketing is the easy part, right? You, mm-hmm. you get with a firm that kind of thinks like we do a little bit. It is good with colors and, and messaging, but driving that mission to them and making sure out of the get-go, while it's about patriotism, we are distanced from any political movement. We're distanced from any political figures. And that right there is the secret sauce. And it makes it hard for columnists like Page to to come after us and assault us for something that's just, in my opinion, wholesome. Well, well, I mean, after reading this, I'm assuming you read through it. Um, and, and any desire, any second thoughts maybe to put in sort of like a, a quota to sell one or two homes to like an anti-American communist or something just to... <laughs> <laughs> hey, to the extent that there's another developer out there that sees... Uh, the, the bustling market that we're seeing for 1776, go for it. Right. I encourage you. That's the freedom we have, right? Well, I think they've, well, that's a less defined thing. I think those are communes. I think that's what they, that's how they generally order themselves on that. Um, and I, she raises the, uh, this other question Is this really what we need? She says, Is it really what we need? And first off, I don't know if she did any kind of market research. I'm assuming you have just because you're putting up a bunch of money to do this. So I'm assuming you have some data that supports this. So is it really, quote, what we need? Yeah, I go back. I'd answer that first by saying, do we need 55 and older communities that celebrate lying in the sun, drinking margaritas and listening to Jimmy Buffett music? And no doubt that has done very successfully wherever they've gone in Florida and South Carolina, Margaritaville neighborhoods. Yeah. This is a little, it's akin to that in the sense that it's themed, but yes, we do need this Pete because we need uh, unification more than anything in this country right now. We need people to be able to come together on a denominator that's larger than anything that we're dealing with right now. And that's our country. If we can find ways to come together on country first, maybe someday in the future we can be, we can engage discussions on other things. But to me, it's e pluribus unum. It's one from many. And yes, we need that. Which I thought was interesting in that she says that this is just going to encourage homogeneity, uh, all one type. And what's of note is that I guess it does, but the one type is, as you just mentioned, People who love the concept, the founding principles of America. That's, I mean, that's my understanding. And what I think, without having the discussion with her, uh, we didn't have an interview, but she fails to see that that patriotism is not monolithic. It is so broad-based. We see it in, in the demographic we serve, 55 and older. These are people who date back to the 40s. They've seen wars and recessions and things, and, and yet... They still have a passion for this country, and a lot of them do not think in political terms like younger writers, as Paige herself is. They don't see through that lens. And so we're gifted to be able to serve that 55 and older demographic. They, if anybody, get it. Um, she, I think, kind of knocked you also for the price of the homes, that they started like 450 k and uh, she seems to think that that's too high. But I'm also, I've got a story here actually from today that it's, uh, what is it here? The 
uh, median home price of Mecklenburg County is 445. So it seems like it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of right in line with the median prices. Um, and you also are um, what you donate one of these homes in is it in each community to a disabled vet? Exactly, a minimum of one home in each community. This community is small; it's 43 houses. But as we get into larger communities, there'll be opportunities for more. And we had the privilege of donating the first home to Sergeant Peter Clark and his wife two Saturdays ago. We had an event, and uh, they're going to be able to build their dream home from scratch. And six months later, it will be mortgage-free. Time to move in. That's really cool. That's uh, how is that? How do people can they apply for that? Uh, deal like how do you how do you find the recipients? We partnered up with an organization known as Building Homes for Heroes. Mm-hmm. They've been around for about sixteen years, and they find the recipients, and we work together, reading through bios and learning a little bit more about candidates, and uh, ultimately we make the decision together. Um, and uh, I guess the uh, the last thing is, it's are you are you firm on the uh, on the fifty five and older? I'm not I, I'm not that old yet so is that firm <laughs> or no do you have other projects because i'm is this the first and how many uh, i know you got one uh, according to her piece that you got one in greenville are you are you looking to scale this thing into a much larger project and and move it you know, into other cities yeah we've got to scale it we we won't be able to scale a lot on our own we're a small to mid-sized business and we're going to keep our footprint and our space the same at 55 and older but we want to license this concept out to builders and developers across the country who see the, the need for such a, a development in their hometowns. Uh, we have a trademark on the 1776 moniker. And, and so our, our vision, midterm, long-term, is that this grows kind of grassroots all across the country and non-55 older neighborhoods, 55 and older, it doesn't matter. And that's how we can, can grow this tribe. So is this, this is sort of proof of concept phase? This is it. You gotcha. Uh, anything else you want to add before we let you go that you think is important or interesting to note? Pete, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Coming up here on July 4th, it's a time for all of us to celebrate uh, freedom. We we leave off, though, July 4th. Everybody knows it, but we don't add the comma and the 1776 following it. That's what we're celebrating, something that happened 247 years ago. Uh, we want to add that comma and that 1776 back into American nomenclature because it's important to recognize the beginning. The founder and CEO of 1776 Gastonia, Brock Fankhauser. Thanks for your time today and uh, uh, have a good holiday weekend. Thanks, Pete. Stay All right. Free. Yes, sir. Take care. All right. Now, you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Let me jump over here and get Stan on the program. Hey, Stan, how are you? I'm doing great. Good. Well, um, Pete, uh, uh, your, your guest a minute ago was talking about July 4th and everything, and I've been reading a, a, a piece recently for the book I'm working on, and it was all about the holidays that we celebrate and how they're changing, and like Christmas is now winter break, 
a lot of corporations didn't give off for Easter this year, and just for notice that on June on Juneteenth, a lot of places were closed. And said, if you're going to attack anything, you have to attack the holidays. That's what we celebrate represents our culture. So I came across this website by Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream place. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know who they are. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and one, on their website, they have a thing about the origins of Juneteenth. And there's two quotes in here that when you're celebrating July 4th, I want you to see what they think about it. Juneteenth is sometimes called America's true independence day, because if you really think about it, and so what they're, what they're already set up is, is that if you don't agree with them, you haven't actually really thought about it. Mm-hmm. So they say, if you really think about it, July 4th, 1776 only represents the day that white male Americans became free. <clears throat> and then they get in here in the next paragraph, and they ask a question for the Frederick Douglass was asked. He was an escaped slave ab- abolitionist, and he was asked, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? They didn't tell you what he said. What they say is they answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is a constant. Mm-hmm. So when you're, out, when you're out celebrating July 4th, you should have people in the country who think you're celebrating racist, sexist, homophobia, and bigotry. Right. Well, this gets to, I mean, this gets to the critical consciousness approach, the, the critique, right? This is what it's all about, right. from Hegel through Marx through uh, Gramsci and Freire. It's like it's all the same stuff. It's the, it's the criticizing of the institutions to destabilize, to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. Well, well, now, there's one holiday that won't have to do anything about if they keep going, and that is Thanksgiving. Because the Democrats and Biden don't don't stop, we won't have anything to be thankful for. That's oh, there you go. All right, Stan, thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right, thank you. enjoy your show. All right, take care. <laughs> um, I mentioned this earlier. This was uh, in the paper in the Charlotte Observer about the price of housing. The average home price in Mecklenburg may hit another milestone soon. Mecklenburg is experiencing another shortage in homes for sale, which will likely push average home prices past $600,000 within the next few months. That's according to Michael Simmons, the county economist, and the report pits the uh, the average home price in the county as of May at $592,000, and that is a 12% increase year over year. I wanted to focus, though, this hour on the. So this is why I started with uh, the fella that has done the seven is doing the 1776 developments in Gastonia. He's got one going on in Greenville. Um, there was because there's another two stories. There are two more stories here that tie into this concept, and and this is the concept for a long time. The tastemakers, right? The you can call Madison Avenue, the ad agencies, Hollywood, you know, the cultural uh, trendsetters. They have been essentially ignoring a large portion of the consumer base in various ways, and I think increasingly so. And for a long time, people that, you know, might like to live in a neighborhood where everybody loves America. Maybe they do parades, have flags. And that was kind of looked at like, oh, what a rube, you know, like this, this cynicism towards, towards these nice things, these historical touchstones, uh, touchstones, but also these things that unite us. You know, I said this the other day, the idea that the left has turned over patriotism to the right, just abandoned it. Like, ugh, it's icky. And that might be one of the biggest self owns. I mean, 
Like, this is your country, too. The flag is not for the right. The flag is not for just Republicans, conservatives, libertarians. Well, def- well, they probably look at the flag and they're like, I'm not part of No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they have an anti-authority. <laughs> uh, so maybe not libertarians. But, um, no, I mean, this is something that's supposed to unite us all. And the more you start inserting the politics into all of these affinity spaces, right, the knitting clubs or ball games, and you start injecting the politics, now you start to disintegrate these institutions, these civic organizations, these ways that people come together and don't talk about politics. They're united for their, you know, in their love of cross-stitching, right? But no, they can't just play bridge together. No, no, now we have to inject, you know, politics and wokeism and such into these spaces. And that is intentional, by the way. It's intentional. That's the that's the whole point. That's the march through the institutions. It's the changing the culture, right, through critique, through yeah, critical consciousness. So there's this story at a National Review by Abigail Anthony. Conservatives and their products face obstacles on Amazon. Ads are blocked, social networks are booted, and books are undiscoverable on the search engine or removed entirely. Now an alternative is on the rise. It's called Public Square. I didn't name it. Public SQ. Like Public Square. I guess it's, I guess it's got a dot. Yeah, it has a dot. So Public SQ dot. Public Square. All one word. But the S is capitalized in Square. Because that's what that's how you right, that's how you convey like your your agile you're nimble as a company you don't even have time for a space you know you're just going to cram the two words right together um so now this alternative public square period uh brands itself as a pro-life pro-family pro-freedom organization it has accumulated more than a million consumer users fifty-five thousand businesses it launched last year on independence day so they're coming up on their one year birthday or anniversary michael seifert or seifert uh, is the founder and CEO of Public Square. He said, quote, we continually felt disheartened and wondered if there were any brands that would speak to us or at the very least wouldn't verbally antagonize us. Public Square encourages freedom-loving Americans to enjoy values-aligned businesses. It, it has its own app. It has surged to the number two shopping app and the number three free app in Apple's App Store. Now, this app, this company, if you want to do business on their site, it requires the business that joins to affirm five core values. One, a commitment to freedom and truth. So Democrats are out. I kid, I kid the Democrats. I kid. There you are. Uh, that's one. Number one, commitment to freedom and truth. Number two. Protect the family unit and the sanctity of every life. So Democrats are out again. That's okay. Like, I'm going to make the same joke off. I just it, it's implied. Okay. On, it's implied. Belief in the greatness of this nation and the conviction that small businesses are the backbone of our economy and that government is not the source of our rights. So it cannot take them away. Those are the five core principles. You got to sign off on them. Businesses must also affirm that they will source as many products as possible in the United States. Then 
this public square company has a vetting team and they will conduct internet searches and interviews to verify whether the business has publicly contradicted these values. The founder, Seifert, or Seifert, also checks for quality. The, he says the company checks for quality by ensuring that the phone numbers are live, the websites are functioning, uh, there are good reviews. Um, they also have a feedback mechanism so consumers can relay their shopping experience. He says, quote, boycotts are not enough. Unto themselves, we actually don't believe they're as effective as if you were to completely unsubscribe from these broken and corrupt companies because you found something better. That is exactly right. I use, on my computer, I use the Brave search engine developed by Brendan Ike. He's the guy who developed Firefox, founder of Mozilla, right? And um, he's the guy who made a $500 donation to the Prop 8 campaign, which was to define marriage as between one man and one woman in California. It was a state campaign. It doesn't matter to me what he, which way he donated, but what happened was the list of donors got out. I believe it was with a hack and dump, right? So obviously the Russians and Trump. And so they released the, um, uh, the names. His name was on it. And he was maybe like the first person targeted in a cancel campaign. And he got fired from his own company for the product he built. So he went off and started Brave. He built this whole new web browser. And it's fantastic. I use it on my computers. So I try to, I try to break these, these connections with certain companies when I don't appreciate their business practice. And so that's what this guy is trying to do with the Public Square app. He says it's not an exclusively conservative platform. Nowhere in the five values does it say conservative or Republican. But he says the heartbeat of um, – he says the heartbeat is the small businesses. Ninety percent of the businesses on that app are small businesses. Oh, and uh, they've relocated from California to Florida. they got 60 full-time employees – and he gives a baby bonus, $5,000 bonus after taxes to its employees and their spouses who have a baby or adopt. I think that's a worthy business. Oh, hey, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? We got the President of the United States speaking right now on the uh, Supreme Court ruling on affirmative action. Today, the court once again walked away from decades of precedent and make, as the dissent has made clear. The dissent states in today's decision, quote, rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress, end of quote. I agree with that statement from the dissent. From the, dissent. <clears throat> the court has effectively ended affirmative action in college admissions, and I strongly, strongly disagree with the court's decision. Because affirmative action is so misunderstood, I want to be clear, make sure everybody's clear about no, no. what the law has been and what it has not been until today. 
Many people wrongly believe that affirmative action allows unqualified students, unqualified students to be admitted ahead of qualified students. This is not, this is not how college admissions work. Rather, colleges set out standards for admission and every student, every student has to meet those standards. Then and only then, after first meeting the qualifications required by the school, do colleges look at other factors in addition to their grades, such as race. The way it works in practice is this. Colleges first establish a qualified pool of candidates based on meeting certain grade, test scores, and other criteria. Then and only then, then and only then, it is from this pool of applicants, all of whom have already met the school standards, that the class is chosen after weighing a wide range of factors, among them being race. You know, I've always believed that one of the greatest threats of America, you're tired of hearing me say it, is our diversity. But I believe that. If you have any doubt about this, just look at the United States military. The finest fighting force in the history of the world. It's been a model of diversity. And it has not only been our, made our nation better, stronger, but safer. I believe the same is true for our schools. I've always believed that the promise of America is big enough for everyone to succeed and that every generation of Americans, we have benefited by opening the doors of opportunity just a little bit wider to include those who have been left behind. I believe our colleges are stronger when they are racially diverse. Our nation is stronger because we use, because we are tapping into the full range of talent in this nation. I also believe that while talent, creativity, and hard work are everywhere across this country, not equal opportunity. It is not everywhere across this country. We cannot let this decision be the last word. One emphasis, we cannot let this decision be the last word. While the court can render a decision, it cannot change what America stands for. America is an idea, an idea unique in the world, an idea of hope and opportunity, of possibilities, of giving everyone a fair shot, of leaving no one behind. We've never fully lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it either. We will not walk away from it now. We should never allow the country to walk away from the dream upon which it was founded. That opportunity is for everyone, not just a few. We need a new path forward. A path consistent with a law that protects diversity and expands opportunity. So today I want to offer some guidance to our nation's colleges uh -oh. as they review their admission systems after today's decision. Guidance that is consistent with today's decision. They should not abandon, let me say this again, they should not abandon their commitment to ensure student bodies of diverse backgrounds and experience that reflect all of America. What I propose for consideration is a new standard where colleges take into account the adversity a student has overcome when selecting among qualified applicants. Let's be clear, under this new standard, just as was true under the earlier standard, students first have to be qualified applicants. They need the GPA and test scores to meet the school's standards. Once that test is met, then adversity should be considered, including a student's lack of financial means, because we know too few students of low-income families, whether in big cities or rural communities, are getting an opportunity to go to college. When the poor kid, when a poor kid, maybe the first in their family to go to college, gets the same grades and test scores as a wealthy kid, whose whole family's gone to the most elite colleges in the country, and whose path has been a lot easier, 
Well, the kid who faced tougher challenges has demonstrated more grit, more determination, and that should be a factor. Grit. The colleges should take into account admissions. Okay, grit. Many still do. It also means examining where a student grew up and went to high school. It means understanding the particular hardships that each individual student has faced in life, including racial discrimination that individuals have faced in their own lives. The court says, quote, nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an application's discussion of how race has affected his or her life. Mm -hmm. But it's through, but be it through discrimination or inspiration or otherwise, end of quote. Because the truth is, we all know it, discrimination still exists in America. Discrimination still exists in America. Discrimination still exists in America. Oh my gosh. Today's Teleprompter's decision broken. Does not change that. No. It's a simple fact. If a student has, has overcome, had to overcome adversity on their path to education, college should recognize and value that. Our nation, colleges, and universities should be engines of expanding opportunity through upward mobility. But today, too often, that's not the case. Statistics, one, one statistic, students from the top 1% of family incomes in America are 77 times more likely to get into elite college than one from the bottom 20% of family incomes. Yeah. 77 Yeah, get rid of legacy admissions. Opportunity. Today... For too many schools, the only people who benefit from the system are the wealthy and the well-connected. Yeah. The odds have been stacked against working people for much too long. We need a higher education system that works for everyone. From, from Appalachia to Atlanta and to far beyond. Wait, what? We can and must do better, and we will. Today, I'm directing the Department of Education to analyze what practices help build a more inclusive and diverse student body He's faded. and what practices hold that back practices like legacy admissions and other systems yes <laughs> expand privilege instead of opportunity colleges and universities should continue their commitment to support retain and graduate the first students and classes you know companies companies who are already realizing the value of diversity should not use this decision as an excuse to turn away from diversity either. We can't go backwards. <clears throat> you know, I know today's court decision is a severe disappointment to so many people, including me, but we cannot let the decision be a permanent setback for the country. We need to keep an open door of opportunities. We need to remember that diversity is our strength. <clears throat> we have to find a way forward. We need to remember that the promise of America is big enough for everyone to succeed. You know, that's the work of my administration. And I'm always going to fight for that. And I want to thank you all. And I know you've been told I have a helicopter out there waiting to go up to do an interview in New York. I'll be talking more about this live interview. But thank you very much. And we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this. But we're not going to let this break us. President Biden, the Congressional Black Caucus of the Supreme Court has thrown into question its own legitimacy. Is this a rogue court? This is not a normal court. Nice. Should there be term limits for the justices, sir? And now he's out. He's walking. All right. So here's just a just a real quick piece of advice. Stop drinking milk before your availability's on media. Please, for the love of me, stop drinking the dairy. It's it's getting you all flammed up, man. All right. I say that out of love. I'm a giver.
We'll get into this up next. Thank <laughs> you.